my name is Hayley Robbins and welcome to the next episode in the Positive Partnerships podcast series, where we bring you real life stories from around Australia about life on the autism spectrum by those that know best. Megan Worry is a mother from Darwin in the Northern Territory. Her nine-year-old son, Joshua, is on the autism spectrum. But when you look past his diagnosis, he is a dry, humid, quirky, stubborn, and a little bit naughty nine-year-old boy. And comparatively, this is no different to any other child. Please sit back and listen to Megan Worry's story. I live in a pretty stereotypical household. There is my husband, Jason, our son, Joshua, our cat, Penelope, and our dog, Daisy. Uh, Jason and I work full-time and Joshua is a year four student who, in addition to his specialised interests, has uh, recently undertaken a liking to marathon running. Um, I've often been asked over the years why I've only had one child and I do remember a time when Jason and I considered expanding our brood only to be interrupted by their then two-year-old, Joshua crying hysterically and dramatically throwing his body around the room because the Wiggles DVD, which he'd already watched on repeat six times that day, had finished and he wanted to watch it again, and he just didn't know how to ask. Let me tell you there's no greater contraception than a two-year-old's temper tantrum. So Joshua was diagnosed in November 2013, one week before his seventh birthday. The diagnosis was autism spectrum disorder or Asperger's syndrome and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We also learnt that Joshua had an IQ of 113. So why do we have such a late diagnosis? The truth is we didn't know what we were looking for. Joshua was born seven weeks premature at 1.73 kilos and all of his developmental milestones were delayed. But when we queried this, we were merely told it was because he was born too early. By the time Joshua hit two years, I'd commenced full-time employment while Joshua attended a daycare. This is when we learnt how intense Joshua really could be. He rarely played with other children and was a habitual biter. I would receive at least two to three phone calls a week from the childcare centre asking me to collect Joshua early or notifying me of a serious incident in which he'd hurt another child or carer. We were also experiencing significant problems with Joshua's toileting, where he refused to poop, and he would stand in the corner of his room using all of his strength to hold his bowels and would bite anyone if they approached him. We took Joshua to a specialist paediatrician and started working on his toileting problems and were referred to a psychologist for Joshua's behaviour. Unfortunately, the psychologist refused to see Joshua until his toileting problems were sorted out. We were then referred to a dietitian where we trialled many different diets, separately eliminating dairy, gluten and preservatives for the purpose of addressing his behaviour. These diet elimination trials lasted around 12 months. In between all of this, Joshua had been suffering ongoing ear and throat infections and had even been hospitalised. Joshua wasn't talking yet either at two years of age and we soon learnt that the fluid build-up in his ears was so bad that it equated to a 50% hearing loss. Due to waiting periods in Darwin around the 12 months, we elected to travel to Sydney where Joshua had grommets inserted and his tonsils, adenoids and cautery turbinates removed. The effect was almost immediate within the following months seeing a flood of words. I actually remember the next day um, taking him out of the hospital 
and we pulled up to cross the road and a bus had pulled up and they'd put on their brakes, which were large gas brakes, and he literally jumped in the pram. And I realised at the time it was because he actually heard it and he'd never actually heard it before. Um, Unfortunately, even though we'd resolved his hearing issues um, and the pain that would have caused, Joshua's behavioural issues and toileting problems were still ongoing and the paediatrician began focusing on Jason and I. So I undertook parenting classes to learn one, two, three magic, which did assist in reducing Joshua's 14 temper tantrums per evening down to about three or four. Now, temper tantrums were often involved by then my almost three-year-old trashing his room, kicking walls and doors, screaming for over 20 minutes at a time. They were really quite violent periods. And I became paranoid that our neighbours were going to report us to the police for child abuse and began questioning my abilities as a mother. By the age of three, we had moved Joshua to a different daycare centre where he received two referrals to the child development team. Whilst this was going on, we were still battling the pooping issue. By four, he had, had, he had to have a second round of grommets. Uh, pooping was still a problem and Joshua started demonstrating inflexibility to changes in routine at preschool. By transition, Joshua had, had a further two referrals um, to the child development team by the school and due to behaviour was internally suspended within the first month. The teacher had also picked up on some unusual motor tics being repetitive blinking, throat clearing, coughing, eye rolling and squinting and these were generally performed in a, a sequential patterned order. By year one, Joshua's peers had noticed his motor tics and would comment and pooing was only achieved by extreme bribery and arguments at home. Um, by the end of year one, so he was seven by then, he'd also received three internal suspensions. Then after four years and seven referrals to the child development team in total, we received confirmation that the team would meet Joshua, and this was the trigger that changed everything for us. At the beginning of uh, transition, I joined the school council and had established some interpersonal relationships with the school management team. And so by year one, the school and I were regularly communicating around Joshua. But this communication was different to the childcare centre where Joshua was just labelled naughty. With the school, we would discuss what was happening before the behaviour, the purpose and trigger for the behaviour, the treatment and what happened afterwards. And this process combined with 53 recorded incidents of um, extreme behaviour on their database allowed me to recognise patterns and map out ideas for intervention. Joshua's triggers were lining up with other students, social injustice, any threat to his dominance, um, hypersensitivity and invasion of personal space. A discussion with one teacher whose child was gifted led to discussions with other parents and work colleagues, uh, with one work colleague revealing that her child was actually an Aspie. By now I'd had enough conversations to realise that Joshua's issues extended beyond his refusal to poop. So I researched clinics around Australia and booked Joshua for an eight-hour appointment with a team of specialists in Sydney in October of 2013. In this lead-up, we dumped our paediatrician, went through the motions of speech therapy, audiology tests, occupational therapy, and private consults with psychologists, who was baffled as to why Joshua had never been tested for autism. 
I agreed to allow them to conduct the ADOS test to see whether he actually had it or not. And I remember at the time saying to them, I might be going crazy, but I would rather have pay for the testing being done out of my own pocket and know for sure that he doesn't have it. And I would rather it be me so that I could improve my management techniques than to never have the testing done and find out in 20 years' time that he did, in fact, have autism and we just turned a blind eye to it his whole childhood. So whilst waiting for the results of the test, my colleague actually invited me to attend a positive partnership two-day workshop. My husband, Jason, was sceptical but understood that I needed to pursue all avenues. If I wasn't convinced that Joshua was an Aspie before I went in there, I was definitely converted by the time I left. It was amazing listening to all the different parents and their stories. And every time someone said, made an account of their experiences at home, I went, oh, my God, that's Joshua. Yes, my son does that. Yes, my son does that. And all of a sudden, all the things that I'd observed with Joshua for years and years now, someone had actually put into words and they'd given it a label, which wasn't a bad thing because with a label comes information, comes management techniques, comes a whole avenue, a whole pathway of of opportunities, which I hadn't had before because I thought I was just battling bad parenting. So after the workshop, I was provided with the tools to write out an autism characteristics planning matrix, and this was quite a key um, matrix to write out because it was able to allow me to label and identify a lot of Joshua's characteristics, which I probably thought was just a little bit quirky before then. Um, and it help, helped me to identify the impacts of Joshua's sensitivity to certain textures and noise. The information was invaluable to myself and the school. And when we looked over it together, we, we had a moment where we went, oh, this is it. This makes sense. And even the, uh, the paediatrician from Sydney in the end said he was just textbook um, Asperger's and was surprised no one had noticed it before. Unlike most families who may have experienced grief or loss with the autism diagnosis, for us in the school, it was a relief. We now had the why behind my child's behaviour and the school had a formal pathway for supporting Joshua. As a side note to this, We also learnt that Joshua's pooping issues could be attributed to sensory processing disorder, which was a side element of his ASD. In short, he actually didn't like the sensation of passing movements through his bowels. It was quite uncomfortable to him. And from a very early age, he was always very, I remember him as a baby, he was very resistant to pooing and would cry and scream as a baby. And we used to think it was um, constipation but it was just that he didn't like the feeling and we didn't know he had that sensory processing disorder. So since the diagnosis, it's been a roller coaster. The school's amazing. Um, They've worked with us to establish an education adjustment plan, an individual behaviour plan, um, inclusion support funding, and they've actually tailored recess and lunchtime activities. So Joshua has the option of structured play rather than the chaos of the playground. And it's interesting to see over the past six months that he's actually chosen the playground over that structured play, um, which sort of shows that a lot of the management techniques we've been doing with him over the years are obviously starting to work. And he's by nature a very social child. He just doesn't quite understand the social rules. He perceives everyone as his friend. He wants to be everyone's friend. He just doesn't know how it works properly. In addition 
to the occasional phone call um, that I get from the school, Joshua's teachers and I regularly email each other. We have a really balanced communication. So if Joshua has a bad day, um, the teacher will try and follow up with a really positive email before the end of the week so that I'm not left feeling disappointed. Um, if there's a pattern of behaviour that the school has identified or that I've identified at home, we generally flag it with each other. Um, and then we work together to deliver a similar strategy. And a great example that one of those strategies is that we looked at implementing the incredible five-point scale with Joshua here at home. And it was time to review Joshua's individual behaviour plan with the school. And when I told them about it, they've actually worked his whole behaviour plan around the incredible five-point scale. So they actually utilise that system in the classroom um, and they've actually been able to map the different escalations in his behaviour against it. And so they can scale him and we start talking in codes and numbers now when we talk about Joshua. So that's great. We also share Joshua's interests, which is a little fun. He is a walking encyclopedia on superheroes, Star Wars and Minecraft. Um, and his current teacher has made classroom reading awards around Star Wars. Um, so that's been an awesome motivation for him. Earlier in the year, they actually introduced Goosebumps, which really took off with Josh when he started reading that. So now the reading um, awards have started to change to a Goosebumps theme as well, which is interesting that it the, the awards are consistent with Joshua's interests rather than any of the other kids in the classroom. And that really shows me that with a public school that they're really trying hard to cater to Joshua and include the rest of the classroom. Joshua has an obsessive interest in Spanish, which is really quite interesting for us. He had a little globe in his room when he was younger and it had just some recorded greetings from different areas in the world. And one of them was Spanish, and he always used to get stuck on that with the hola. And uh, he asked to learn it, so he started learning it when he was six. So he's been learning it for almost four years now. Fortunately, we found a really good private tutor that comes to our home, and uh, she also teaches at one of the high schools here. And she actually says that Joshua's her best student. So it's um, and, and I get to listen to them, and they just prattle off in Spanish and I don't understand a word that's being said. So it's really sweet. She um, she talks really quite quickly to him, and most times he answers in English. He's not always answering in Spanish, um, but he understands it. We just we need to throw him into like two weeks with the Spanish family yeah. or something, and once we've thrown him in there, um, I reckon he'd be fine after that. Like he just it just needs to click. He knows it all. He just needs to click. So that's been a really interesting um, experience with, um, with, with languages and we have a large array of languages in our family. My um, stepfather ha speaks English, German, Indonesian um, and Dutch and all our family live in Holland. Um, and so none of us actually speak Spanish so it was really quite strange that out of all the languages that he had to choose from that he chose the language that None of us actually actively uh -huh. speak. I, I've done six years of Indonesian as well, so I could have interacted with him. But, um, yeah, he's chosen one of the hardest languages possible to learn next to, I think, you know, Mandarin, for instance. Um, our home life revolves around routines and structures, um, and this is essential for getting through the days. We actually um, have a token award system. It's got the rules on the back page. So basically Joshua decided the order in which he needs to perform t 
tasks at home, and we're talking tasks such as turning your aircon off, eating breakfast, cleaning up the table after you've eaten breakfast, getting dressed, cleaning your teeth, going to the toilet, brushing your hair, um, unpacking your bag. These are normal everyday routines that people do without thinking about. But in order for Joshua to do it, we have to provide some sort of a award. And he gets a token, which is equivalent to about four minutes of computer time. And computer time could be YouTube, it could be um, a PlayStation, it could be a DS or a phone or a laptop with online Minecraft or Roblox gaming or something like that. And we have rules and structures around how long he can actually be on that as well. Um, He's very um, rigid. (laughs) There's no room for error. So if he has on his task that he needs to get dressed and then go to the toilet and then make his bed, we can't do it the other way around. And if we insist on it being done the other way around, we will have an extreme meltdown at home. It just is chaos. So we pick our battles uh, very carefully. um, And that also requires us to be organised. So it means that I need to have his clothes ironed the night before if I haven't got them ironed at the beginning of the week because he will just stop dead in his tracks in the morning if he can't get dressed and he won't do anything else that is required after that unless that's done first. In the school, if um, he has had a bad day in the morning, we generally communicate with each other. So that works really well and that sort of gives them an opportunity to sort of um, leave Joshua to self-calm when he comes to the school and they don't push him too hard until they they can see that he's ready to interact properly again and that's a really good relationship we've got there. I do look forward to the day that um, Joshua can do some of these jobs without being, without us specifying exactly what we ha- he has to do. So even though I say, um, so with his pooing, it's still an issue, he would do that at night time, that's after dinner, that's the time he goes to poo. But if I say go to the toilet after dinner, he won't poo. I actually have to specify that's what you have to do on the toilet. If I say go and get ready for bed, um, for a normal kid, that would be brushing your hair and cleaning your teeth or whatever, you know, the, the routine holds. For Joshua, that's, oh, okay, I'm ready for bed now. And so then we have to break it down and go, no, you need to go to the toilet. You need to clean your teeth. When you're in the shower, have you washed your feet? Have you washed, you know, your chest? Have you washed behind your ears? We really have to be specific. If we don't do that, it doesn't get done. And it's not because he's... Um, trying to be difficult it's just he needs the, that specific instruction I mean the kid can do he's, he's reading King Arthur as for free reading which is among the most complicated old English texts I've ever come across um, but he can't master how to wash himself in the shower um, so we have good days and bad days with Joshua um, For the most times, I'm treading water and wondering if I'm actually doing things right because sometimes what we do works really well and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, We've learnt to celebrate our small achievements and pick the really important battles. Um, One of Joshua's major achievements this year is that he had his first play date in around June or July um, and he planned that to a T. It was a little boy that he had met at a boot camp that I'd attended and um, he had planned what he was going to wear, in what order they were going to play games, and what those games were, um, 
how he was going to introduce the animals to to this little boy. It was really, really quite sweet. And um, even though he's only seen this little boy a couple of times since then, in Joshua's head, this little boy is his best friend in the whole wide world. So um, he's really created some sort of connection. I'm, I'm hoping that little boy feels the same way. But some parting advice that I had that would hopefully assist um, other parents and hopefully assist um, teachers as well is um, learn what you can about this unique disorder. Autism spectrum has so many variables but so many similarities. Don't take their behaviour personally. The world literally revolves around Joshua. There is no theory of mine. There is no consideration to you. His decisions are coping mechanisms. They are not directed to affect anyone else but to assist himself. Communication between the school and the parents is the greatest tool that you could possibly have and this is the greatest tool I have with the school to assist Joshua in his academic progressions and behaviour management. Um, It also helps if there are different ways to communicate. Um, One year a teacher gave me her mobile number and we used to text each other to let each other know about Joshua's mood in the day or in the morning or in the afternoon. This year we use phone calls or emails, so it has to work for both parties. Be consistent and know your rules, especially the school rules around discipline. Joshua will be able to quote every rule in the school and every rule in the classroom and he will call you out and embarrass you in front of 20 other kids if you've done it wrong or you've let something slide. And this isn't because he wants to make your life difficult or he's been a challenging student. It's because rules are the only constant for him in this whole unpredictable world of social interactions. And that's his coping mechanisms to get through the day. Whilst you need to be consistent and diligent with the rules, you actually need to also be flexible when you're enforcing the rules. And that is because what works well today might not work well tomorrow. You might have found a really awesome technique to manage a meltdown or to um, to to avoid an incident occurring and you might go to utilise that technique next week and have thought that's, that's the rule, that's the structure we're going to do and it doesn't work. And that's because my child's human too and he changes and what works well one day might not work well to the next. So we've actually had to establish various safety points for Joshua through the school where he can go to if he's having a meltdown. If he runs away, they know that he's in, he's in one of the three different points. So be very flexible in your approach. Don't ever get offended if we as parents don't respond to an incident straight away or give you the response that you might have expected. Sometimes it gets a little bit much for us too. And if you're having a challenging time in the classroom, imagine what we're feeling at home when it's a one-on-one scenario and we've got we've got them at the end of the day or it's been building up over a couple of a couple of time a couple of days. And finally, remember that these children are much more than a diagnosis. If you take away Joshua's ASD and his ADHD, he is a nine-year-old boy who is dry-humoured, quirky, independent, stubborn, assertive, and a little bit naughty. And comparatively, this is no different to any other child. That brings us to the end of this episode in the Positive Partnerships podcast series. In the next episode, we meet a dad from South Australia called Ian Ward. Three of Ian's four children are on the autism spectrum. 
you know, the dads have a few sherbets and they talk and they start talking about football and then they end up talking about the issues that they're dealing with at home and they find out that they're not doing it alone. We've all got doing the same thing. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check out the Positive Partnerships website for more information, upcoming workshops and fact sheets to assist school-aged students on the autism spectrum. See you next time.